It's 4 p.m. Stand up. It's count time. It's time for every man and woman to stand up and be counted. I'm Brother L.D. Azobra. I'd like to welcome you to another edition of Count Time Podcast. We in the big town, the big city, the village, I don't know which one you want to call it, of Colfax, Louisiana. Where we know where this massacre take, had taken place 150 years ago. And we got a, a, a special guest here who has been with us once before. Her name is Miss Diana Kimball. Welcome to Count Time. Thank you. I'm a, it's a pleasure to be here. Love telling this story because it needs to be known. Thank you, ma'am. The truth. We love telling the, the truth. The truth needs to be known. The truth needs to be known. Y'all had a the big celebration of the massacre this past weekend, and on Thursday some things taking place. Yes. So kind of, you know, first of all, tell us about who is Diana Kimber. Okay. I'm, and I will pronounce the name the way my mother gave it to me. Okay. Diana. Diana. May Kimball. <laughs> When I how you spell Diana? D I A N A. Okay, then. Everybody, that Diana is the European way oh, of pronouncing okay. Diana. So when I went to Ghana, and we'll get into that some more. Okay. I saw someone, the nurse, with the same spelled the same way. I said, "How do you pronounce your name?" She said, "Dinah." So I said, "Well, my mother, my mother was correct." So you so you gonna pronounce it from that the day way forward. my mother pronounced it. It's when I left Louisiana and went to California that the people in California said that that's Diana. That's not Diana. So I just went with it <clears throat> for the rest until I went to Ghana and realized that my mother mothers are always right. <laughs> <laughs> so your mother pronounced your name Diana May. That Everybody in Colfax that knew me growing up and knew me as a family member, and I'm Diana May. Now, what was it like growing up in the small village of Colfax? Safe, secure, and loved. As long as you're on this side of the tracks. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the, you track, the tracks divide. The tracks divide. I had a wonderful family. I was the last born of three girls. So Three girls? No brothers? No brothers. And uh, I actually was born in Alexandria and grew up on the same spot, right here where we are now. My mother rebuilt the house in 2003, I think, or I can't remember the, the exact year. She came back and rebuilt the house. So I'm living in the same spot I grew up in, okay. but a different house. Now, you, you, your two other sisters, what their names are? Uh, my oldest sister's name, Melva Faye. Kimball Jones now, she married Jones. Uh, um, and the uh, second sister is Queen Esther Kimball Hogue. And she's in North Carolina, living in North Carolina now. Okay, then, that's, so, so y'all no. moved out. Moved yes, out. we were gone for several years, and even my mother moved to Lubbock, Texas. When her husband died, and a few years later, she wanted to sell this plot. A land and I say no no don't sell it we may want to come back and then she decided to come back and build along with Melva Melva um, my mother got ill and Melva never left her side until she you know did, uh, ascended into another life mm -hmm. uh, I believe that there is l life after life oh, I was saying, you know, it's not 
life and then death. There is life That's, that was after a, life. I learned that when I had taken my trip to Egypt. Our ancestors never dealt with death. Right. That's a European term. Yes. Matter of fact, even in the churches today, they call it home going. Yes. <laughs> Homecoming. Yes. Uh, resurrection. We still don't That's call it, it that today. That's in, it. In our church, most of our churches. Right. And in Louisiana, who is a world known for the voodoo, voodoo, however you want to pronounce it. It is world known because I was watching world news when they had the um, voodoo festival in Benin. And when they named the places that practice voodoo, the the sovereign state of Louisiana was mentioned. Louisiana. Louisiana, Brazil, Haiti, and Benin. What's the, what's the other places? Places that practice voodoo and proud of it. We're going to get back to that because that's, that's some history there. <laughs> now we got, we got a preacher here, so we got to be careful <laughs> But no, we're going to yeah. get back to that. So, yeah. So let, now, coming up in Carfax, I mean, I guess you went to Carfax Elementary? I went to Mary Graham. That was elementary, junior high, and high school. So there was no such, you, you didn't do integration? I did. did. I'm going to get to, I'm, I'm getting ready to get to that. So Mary Graham was the school that was for the black people here. Uh, before that, that was a school on the plantation called Raven Camp. Um, then they moved in town. In 1967, they did integration here in Colfax. I was a uh See, junior in high school, 11th grade, and I decided I wanted to go over and see what was, what was white, why did white people think they were better than us? I didn't know white people growing up. That's why I said safe, because we only went on the other side of the tracks to the store, whatever. We didn't mingle. So you, so you we, stayed I in had, your place. I, I was no reason to leave. We were happy. Well, you had everything you needed. We had everything we needed in Colfax. We had barber shops. We had our stores here on this side. We had cleaners. If you trace any and, and, and Colfax has always been predominantly black because it was a plantation, 14,000 acre plantation. So you tell me the whole city of Colfax, the whole village of Colfax was a plantation? It was a plantation, yes. So there were several different plantations here, but it was all plantation. So where did the name Colfax come from, do you know? Colfax came from the vice president of Ulysses Grant, Grant. Uh, so Colfax was, I think he, he was, I forgot the search name, but he was the vice president. So after that massacre, this was a way of kind of reckoning with the whole thing because, of course, you know, the Union won, the North won, the South lost, right? That's what we thought. That's what we thought. <laughs> and so, of course, you know, that didn't happen. But anyway, what they did do was name the the parish grant and the Colfax name came from the vice president at that time. Okay, so after someone who worked for the, uh, the general grant. Yes, general it may have been general grant. General okay, grant. okay. So, um, yes, and that's where the name Colfax uh, came from. Mm -hmm. now, now, coming up in, uh, in your days, what did y'all call this little area where you, where you reside at now? It was something quarters. I think it had to be a quarter. I it was that. quarters. That's what, um, That's what we call every, every community. It has I, the in quarters. Louisiana, South Louisiana, in Louisiana, yeah, quarter. yeah, yeah. And and I, if that come to me before we finish, I'll tell you what the quarter. Even in there. Gina, I was involved in that Gina the, the Six G, the stuff. Gina Six thing? Oh yeah, I was there when it first kicked off. 
<laughs> you got a lot to talk about there, huh? Yeah. So anyway, I was I realized, yeah, quarters are everywhere in Louisiana. But, but what was the population of Carfax when you was growing up? Do you remember that? Yes, it was about 3,000. And now it's only about 1,500. It's only half of that. Yeah, everything, it's it's going down. My vision, my dream that it started to move back up, but there was no real work for right, the no uh, African people, for anybody, so everybody moved away. There was a farm, they kept it a farm town, what, what did, a what labor kind, town. What kind of crops did y'all produce over here? Uh, <clears throat> cotton, <laughs> of course, it was cotton, cotton is king, it, cotton is king. Okay. It was cotton, now it's corn, it's sorghum, it's uh, soybean, and you saw that as you were driving in. You saw all the fields. Right. So they still make, they have the best equipment to make that go. And LSU Act is in Alexandria, and so they're helping the farmers, but no real black farmers here. There were small farmers. My grandfather was a farmer and had uh, 74 acres of land, which is still in our family. What's your grandfather's name was? Lee Earl Kimball. Lee Earl. <laughs> and my grandmother is Sally Kimball. That's mm -hmm. Kimball. That's your mama's. That's mama's no, name. that's my dad's side of the your family. My, uh, he owned the land, Lee Earl Kimball. My mother's side, Sam Vaughn. Her father is Sam Vaughn. Her mother is Queen Esther Taylor. Hold on. Queen is the actual first name? Yeah. yeah so your, sister, your sister you call Queen, that's the actual name. name. Yes. Uh, that name is in the family. Yes. So that might have been a real queen in your family. Y'all don't even realize that. Yeah, uh, well, it was... I mean, when I say a real queen, I mean someone who actually... Uh, right. Uh, um, uh, Melva's uh, story is that someone she was uh, expecting with the child and someone had read the story of Queen... In the Bible, in the Old Testament, Queen of Sheba. Uh, Queen, uh, no, not Queen, Queen not Sheba. Sheba. No, Sheba. no, Queen that he knows. Queen uh, Sheba. Esther, you say? Esther that saved the. It wasn't there Esther yeah. that saved yeah. the village or whatever because yeah, the king. Sheba. Yeah, I know a little bit about the Bible, and <laughs> thankfully I did read it from Genesis to Revelation. I have gone through the whole thing. Mm -hmm. uh, I was an avid. Christian some years ago, so avid Christian, but Queen it. Esther okay. is a family name uh, that uh, there are almost in every generation from cousins to whatever there's a Queen Esther. In your family? In my family, on my mother's side, there's a Queen Esther. My cousin is Queen Esther, my it, sister it, is Queen Esther. Uh, one of her grand, one of uh, my uh, her grandchildren is Queen Esther, so it will probably continue to go down. Well, anybody ever did the research to, to connect that? How did that come about? Well, like I say, my sister Melba said it came from them reading the story of Queen Esther in the oh, Bible okay, and decided yeah. to use that as a queen. <clears throat> that name to continue on in the family, so there are several Queen Esthers in my family. Okay, then. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Now, coming up, <clears throat> You said integration took place when you probably was in the junior and high school. What, uh, what was that experience asked, like? The, for me, when it formally took place that I knew about it, it was um, pretty hectic. Um, we didn't have anybody spitting on us or cussing us as we went to school, and it was from, I guess, first grade on up to uh, senior. Uh, me and three of my girlfriends, I remember, the, uh, friends there, we had some trouble, and I don't remember all of the trouble in the classroom. I just remember 
One of the friends of mine stepped out in the hall or stood up in the class and said, do you want to fight? Do you want to take this outside? And that was the last of the uh, taunting or whatever they were saying because she was ready to fight. <laughs> and so, uh, as you know, I don't know if you do know, but most white people will talk, talk, talk. <laughs> but when you tell them you're going to knock their teeth out, they will sit down. Uh. And sometimes you have to knock their teeth out to get them to understand. Uh, and so after this young lady challenged them to a fight, we didn't have any more trouble. And the thing I found out by going to Colfax High, they call it Colfax High, which same thing, first grade on through high school, is that after all I, I thinking that white people are smart, white people this, I found the truth out, and when I would hear people say stuff, I said, do you know these people? Do you know how dumb and whatever they call us, how they are? Now they call it gaslighting. So they were gaslighting us all these years, trying to put on us what they really were, the negative part. So that's what I found out. And well, that, um, that's probably ignorance too. They didn't. It's know. ignorance. They didn't, know. they didn't because they've been they taught were ignorant. <laughs> if you stay here in Colfax, and I am not biting my tongue, if you stay here in Colfax, and know the people who they are, black and white, but mainly white that want to be in charge, they are still ignorant. They don't want to know the truth. They want to stay ignorant. I'm not biting my tongue, and I'm not backing down. We, we ain't going to do that. <laughs> My sister, don't worry about that. We just, we just having a conversation. Uh, no, no. I, I have to tell people because some people are afraid, and, and, and they, um, if I say that around certain black people here, they're afraid. For me, they're afraid for them. Oh, right. Yeah, right, right, so. Because right. they have to live here. They have to live here. Right. And I lived here for at least 10 years saying the same thing. Now, now, wait, so when you got in high school, things kind of leveled off. Things leveled off. I um, no, no whole lot of fighting. Or no, anything. no, we didn't have any fighting. We just kind of stayed to ourselves. We never made friends. There was one young lady that actually lived in an area, what we call the country, a Baghdad Loop area. Her mother worked for this family, so some of the children in the class actually played with her when she go home. And then when we go to school, they act like they didn't know who she was. So those are the things I experienced with the first group. And it wasn't until 1971 or two that they actually uh, integrated all the schools. Everybody was integrated and they were mainly bused to dry prone or Pollock, I think, to school. And they had trouble. How close y'all to Pollock? Mm, probably 10 miles or so. Where, so where, 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 where the federal prison is? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, so now we, we, you're coming up, you had a, so it, was a, it was a small but thriving community. It was a thriving community, a farming community, and then... People got along well. Yeah, know? yeah. That was, but the, the oppression and fear was very obvious as long as we stayed in our place. So I would say in the six, early 60s, my great-grandmother, who raised my mother, um, would still, the elders would still, if we passed a white person on the sidewalk, they still had to 
get off the sidewalk or lower their head. So all that was still going on in the 50s and 60s. I was born in 1951. So you saw, you saw, you saw this? From the late 50s to the early 60s, yes. Okay. Now, now, now you, you might be a little combat, com, combated now. I can use, um, use the word militant, but you might be. But at that time, you had to succumb to the system? I don't ever remember succumbing to that. My elders, the elders had to succumb to that. The children were not forced to, okay. we were taught to, you know, speak or whatever, but the elders, no, we always wondered what was going on. And my middle sister, Queen, was was militant, and she would, there was a Dairy <laughs> Queen. The middle child. Oh, middle child. yeah. So she would drive to the Dairy Queen over in Boyce and uh, order some ice cream and then drive off and not pay for it or not do anything. Just so that was her way oh, of, yeah. of getting back. So everybody had their way. But the older people, yeah, they had to succumb to the moving to the sidewalk. And, of course, they would take us with them. Uh, but we knew, we, most of us know that there was something that wasn't right uh, mm -hmm. with this. So yes, it was the, and I'm going to just do a tidbit of the sign um, that was in front of the courthouse that called it a riot. One of the reasons that sign was done was to show you that the carpetbaggers, the last word was the end of the carpetbaggers misruled in the South. So that means, and it says three white men, I don't know if it said were killed, and uh, 150 black Negroes were slain. This marked the end of the carpetbag misrule in the South. So in other words, if you try something again, this is what will happen to you. And that's what was said Thursday. So who was the carpetbaggers? Carpetbaggers were the northerners that came in after the war, which this was eight years after the um, end of the war, the slavery, I think the war ended in um, 1862, uh, the end of the Civil War, was it that time? Slavery in 1863, so. Yeah, 18. 1865 for us, because that's when General Grant came in and, and, and uh, we knew that we were free, some of us, because there's accounts of people, black people held in slavery to the one I know about, it was uh, 1960 out of uh, Amit. 1960, Amit, Louisiana? Yeah. Ron uh, Hammond? Yes. And uh, maybe Amit, Louisiana, the, the southern part of Mississippi, um, <clears throat> May Miller, the last living person enslaved was named May Miller. May Miller. How did you come Antoinette Herrero, the genealogist, uh, she is li still living in southern Louisiana, not New Orleans, but somewhere, can't think of the name of the town right now. But uh, give me Antoine name again. Antoinette Herrero. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's still posting things and about growing. I get her information. You, you oh, you get a lot. And Antoinette has been to Colfax some years ago when we had an event. In fact, she the first memorial we had in two, 2003, Antoinette and Brother Malcolm Sumer, I think is his name, out of New Orleans, that had the first African-American museum, brought a busload maybe 50-something or 30-something children to learn their history. He brought, Antoinette and, and Malcolm brought those children in 
and we had our first memorial at the courthouse. And when we got there, there were three Confederate flags stuck in the ground, and they, they started sharing the history and who the Confederate was and what they did and what they did to our people. Those children, those 504 children got off those steps New and Orleans ran, New Orleans children don't play. <laughs> and they got off that, they went down and they stumped those, those little flags in the ground. <laughs> school age children. School age children, stumped them in the ground and nobody has ever put any more back up there, as far as I know, those Confederate flags. So New Orleans is very instrumental in helping us here in Colfax. That did. As a child growing up in Colfax, did you know about the massacre? I did not. I nobody basically talked about it. Maybe little bits. The when I became aware, I became aware as an adult. Now, what year? What year the massacre happened again? 1873. All right. Mm-hmm. The sign was put up. Now they said yesterday, 1850. We thought we saw 1850. I'm sorry, 1950 or 1951 is what I always thought the sign, but the sign is gone now. I got, we have photos of it. So you'll see erected by the state of Louisiana in 1951. And so that sign has been up there since 1951. So I would say when I was maybe in my late twenties, I came through and started reading it and wondering uh, what happened, but it's been there. The state put it up. Uh, before that sign was up in 1950 or 51, we had an artesian well in the same place. And I think that was during the early 1900s and the 20s and all of that, uh, that was flowing water and fire at the same time. And people would come from around to touch the water, get in the water, but black people were if the white people were there, black people couldn't go in. And then that's what I heard from my family and different people. So in 1951, when they put that sign up, it went out. And they had been trying for years to recreate that. <laughs> it never, they could never recreate it. It would go out and whatever. And grass does not grow around that area. They, they have to plant the grass and nurture it. And, they put a little round circle where they have flowers in now. They tried to do the well. So it, that is one of the things, factual things that went out. So when you look into a teaching well or whatever, call facts. And so what they, so that's one of the things that we know you put up a lie and there's more. Um, so a few years ago, they put up the same little square sign, the little marker about the well. The sign for um, the mass, the riot, they call it, was still there. So they put up a sign about the well because they couldn't get it going again. And the other important thing is that when the massacre happened, the courthouse was just a horse stable at that time in 1873. Oh, it, it wasn't a court. It, it wasn't a court. It wasn't a real. It, a, a real no, court. no, no, it, it, no. It was a court. It was. It's a place. a place where they gathered. Yeah. yeah. But, but it was only a corral. So to that's speak. what they called. That's what they. Uh, I've heard oh, okay. that before. So it was. It wasn't a real courthouse. All right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Colfax had probably just come into being. It was a plantation. Remember. Yeah. So all it was was a plantation. So after the uh, Civil War. You know, then they made it, start making it into a town, which is still predominantly black. So that was about, and they had elected 
some officials. So, and so now this is doing this reconstruction. Reconstruction, thing. right, right. right. And this was a reconstruction age. It's a reconstruction. That means that the Union gave the, the what's called the, the, the soldier of African descent opportunity to hold office. Yes, these in were that men. Area. Yes, and these men, most of these men <laughs> had fought in the uh, Union Army to free us. If it wasn't for us from Mississippi, Natchez, there's a whole nother history you know in Natchez. Mm -hmm. And um, so these men, eight years after the war, still had a few guns and am a little ammunition that they could defend. They were defending the courthouse. That's why they're heroes, not just rioters. Um, these men were defending the elected officials inside this. Who look like us now. Right. They were defending um, the elected officials. Some were from the north. That's why they used the word carpetbaggers, oh, misrule. Yeah. Uh, so they were coming to help set up the government in Grant Parish, Colfax. And they were elected. And of course, the ex-Confederate uh, soldiers were still wanting white supremacy. And the reason we know to use the word white supremacy is because in 1921, the white supremacists erected an obelisk or tekanu, which is an Egyptian, I mean, I'm sorry, Egypt, mm, Ethiopian, okay. Ethiopian symbol. That's, you can go to Ethiopian Oxum and see it right today. Right. They erected this obelisk with uh, the words, uh, in memory of our heroes, our, their heroes, and they put their names on there, fighting for white supremacy in the Colfax riot. Their words, not ours. It's still there today. It is still there in this white cemetery. I don't know of any black people buried there. So it's a white cemetery, maybe two blocks from the courthouse. And a, and a Baptist church sits right in front of that cemetery. Now, who got the church? Who go to the church? I don't know. <laughs> but I know they defend that symbol. Yeah. yeah. They think it's okay. Now, There's actually three. You're talking about a lot of churches. There's three predominantly white churches like within a block of each other right around the cemetery. Now you say growing up, y'all didn't really... I can imagine the stress and the all went along with that after that happened that the people, the, the loss was so great. The loss was great and because so the, the trauma was great. The family members that were killed, they knew that their family members were killed. And I'm going to tell you one, the first one was killed, massacred, was fixing his fence. But he was a stand-up black man that they knew. So they got, they got to him before they came to the courthouse. Jess, was it, his last name is McKinney, maybe Jesse McKinney. And he is the uh, family member of Reverend Tom Hampton, who lives right down the street, our cousin. And so Avery Hampton is the person that was instrumental in getting the new marker and everything, because his family member was the first one killed. Avery Not Hamilton? Avery Hamilton, Reverend Avery Hamilton. Okay, okay of the First Baptist Church here in Colfax. So his ancestor was the first one killed, and he was just mending his fence. 
and they killed him first, and but then they, they but came they out. Know, the, they knew who he was. They knew who he they was. Know we got to get rid of him first. Yeah, we got to get rid of him yeah, first, yeah. and they thought that was going to be it. He's a warrior. Yes. We, they know who the warriors are. So here, before, okay. and, and of course, this happened on Easter Sunday, not just April 13th, but Easter Sunday, April 13th. Now, uh, with, there was a th had to be a thought-out plan that, I mean, what what brought everybody to that same destination on an Easter Sunday when you celebrate? Well, you know, the I think um, uh, Mr. McKinney was killed before then, and it was the, the protests of the election. They didn't want these men, and, uh, and um, I forgot which one were black. I always thought it was all white from the north. They didn't want them in because they were bringing up you know, the end of the slavery, the end, because they, even though slavery supposedly had ended eight years ago, people still stand on plantation. Where were they going to go? So they're still staying on the plantation, still not being treated right, still maybe being paid pennies. And the black men are saying, no, we're not going to take this. So they voted. They had a right to vote because they own land. These are landowners. And they voted these uh, people in, because Colfax, again, predominantly black. Um, but the sign was there. Like I said, it wasn't until I was adult and I realized that the, it was, we all knew it was offensive, but nobody would do anything. But the, old, the, elders, in the elders in the town, because at that time, they, the time you was born, they had people born, that was born in 1800s. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. They knew. known quite well what happened. Yeah. But they would not They don't it. talk, they won't discuss it. They they may tell you something, but they weren't going to talk out loud. They, and they even whispered when they tell you. And they, and they probably, because they had to protect you all. Because they knew well, what they were It's with. called it's fear and oppression. We are just learning how to not to be oppressed. In the town of Colfax, some are still have not learned how not to be oppressed and how to speak out. Because over 20, uh, 20 years we've been doing this memorial, right? And I can tell you that it's only been a few Colfax people there. That participated. That participated. The first, it was one or two, Avery was one of the first, Amanda White, um, those are the ones I know that stuck with it. And then there may have been four or five more. Most of our people were from, I told you, New Orleans. <laughs> The New Orleans children now, kicked it off. But now, who who said let's do a commemoration? That back was then. Who 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 Odinga that? Odinga Campbell. Okay. okay mm -hmm. Who was? Uh, he may have been born in Dallas, where his mother and father was, and then somehow he got sent back to Louisiana and yeah, went, went to, to school. Elementary school. Elementary yeah. school. We were in the elementary together. So you remember him back then? No, oh, we don't okay. remember. He, and we were in the same church, and I don't remember him. And oh, then okay. about um, so when you, he was maybe 12 or 13, he moved to Dallas with his mother. So, so he was the one. He was the one that. While he was in the, Dallas, he doing this. While he was in Dallas, we met each other in Dallas, and uh, uh, that was my partner, my friend, my partner, everything. <laughs> but not husband, not wife. We, we didn't, uh, he didn't believe in marriage and I didn't either at the time. I had been married before oh, okay. and the last marriage was so bad that I said no, no, no to never, never, never again. You gotta be kidding. Oh. I'm thankful for my four children. Absolutely. Four children? I, I thank them for my children. Now you gotta, what are the names? Okay, I have uh, my first one is Angela. 
uh, Diane and her. She's Diane. She's not Diana. She's D I A N E. And so my first daughter is Angela Diane, and um, she's a Reed. Um, uh, and, her, and now she's married to a man that's uh, father is Turkish, a white man, <laughs> Alyssa Blue. So she's Alyssa Blue. Yeah, my daughter's married to a white man. How <laughs> the world turns. Oh, yeah, yeah, he takes care of her. And then my second is my son, uh, Robbie Kenyatta Reed, and his father is Wilbur Reed, who was born in Colfax, raised in Colfax, and lived right down the street from oh, me, and we yeah. were married, we did get married. And uh, then my uh, second, uh, my third is Isaac Scott Hooker, uh, who is, I was married to a man from Mississippi named Hooker. <laughs> that was my last husband, so Isaac Scott Hooker. Yeah, and then my last daughter is Delina, Georgian Kimball, and I was not married to her father, so we used the name Kimball for her. And Georgian is my trying to put my uh, father's name in, who is George George Kimball. So I that's what it, her middle name is Georgian. Her first name is Delina. My my daughter, oldest daughter, named her. So they're putting my name and my mother's name is Lena. So she put all those names together, and I did uh, hyphen her father's name, who is Shelby. So she has his long name. She got it in there that's giving the Social Security people heck, <laughs> trying to say what name. But anyway, Delina, George Ann, Shelby Kimball. So those are my four children, and I'm very proud of. They're doing well. They're all in the Dallas area. And um, so, again, I'm going to skip to after meeting Odinga. He was the one that got me African Senate, uh, taught me, um, listened to Garvey, uh, Garvey tapes, um, Marcus Garvey tapes from back in the day, and Dr. Ben, Pan-Africanism. He, he is a original Panther. So he was a Panther, I think pretty much right out of high school. He came, went to Chicago with his uncle right after Fred Hampton was murdered by the police in Chicago. And so he got his political education through there. And so I basically I can say he's been married to the movement. So mm -hmm. all, he has spent all of his life from the Panthers, uh, being on the program to re get Angela Davis out of jail, traveling across the country. So he's married to the movement. Right, I know, I, I, I will get this story. <laughs> yeah, so, he, so, so he's the one that, um, Brought talked talk to me about uh, Egypt, Egyptology, uh, going back our religion. So he got me on the path. That's who got me on the it's path. I was I was in a church in Dallas, um, Methodist Church, Dan Holmes, and going to church every Sunday and doing whatever I was supposed to do. And he never told me to stop. He just one day he's when I stopped. He said, "Oh, I knew you would find out one day. <laughs> You'd get it." Mm -hmm. And so. Um, that's what brought my life to a full circle. And uh, thankful, learning to uh, honor my elders, all of our ways that we grew up under the 50s. Uh, always honor your elders. Uh, so I have to honor my sisters because they're my elders. So I can't uh, be mad at anybody. 
in my family that's older than me, and I have to listen to them, oh. and I do. And that's still an African tradition. That's an African and tradition. And a lot of the islands. And a lot of the islands. And my mother, um, there were things I did not agree as an adult with my mother, but I knew I had to go satisfy her. So before she made her transition, she wanted, I took her to church, I took her to Sunday school, anywhere she wanted to go as a Christian, and I learned how to shut my mouth and behave as an adult, oh. as, as a 50-something-year-old. How <laughs> about yourself? I made sure my mother got what she wanted to do, and I didn't embarrass her in church. I didn't speak out and say anything. I just smiled, and that was at 55. <laughs> the, the, the massacre happened only eight years after slavery, so we've gone through, what, 400 years of working and building this nation and gaslighted and told we couldn't learn, we were ugly, we were stupid, you want to have straight hair, you want to fix your nose, you want to brighten your skin so you can be accepted. And we were never told to love our locks, to love our hair. We weren't told that this was our connection with our Creator because our hair coral, our DNA, what does our DNA look like when they show you? It's, it's, it's curling up. That's our hair. Nobody else hair does that. So that's our connection to our God, to our supreme, to our spiritual power. So when I found this out over 20 years ago, that's when I stopped straightening my hair. So it's been over 20 years. But it, take, it just it just took a whole nother training because yeah, once we're trained, we've been, we've been trained in conditions. Yes, that's right. And we have to go through a whole nother process. And I was just sharing with uh. Bishop Ford, the same thing. I, you know, when I took my trip to Egypt, oh, I didn't go there for what I learned. I mean, I'm just going there for the experience. Yeah, because yeah. I was a student of the Bible, and the Bible is what led me yes, to Egypt. Yes, Egypt. Yeah. yeah. And I got there, and I'm like, hold on, and I'm with I'm with Doctor Ben. Oh, so you know, wow. I'm not. Yeah. I'm, I, it's a whole nother experience. Yes, yes. I'm not going for that reason. Doctor Ben taught I'm, you something. I'm, I'm, a, I'm so country boy. Yeah, I'm yeah. to get involved, kind yeah. of learn. Yeah. You know, kind of get in touch with some, yeah. with, with a side of my history and culture. Oh. Not knowing, Doctor Ben, it's going to be a life change. Doctor Ben, experience. don't back down. Doctor Ben ain't never scared. Doctor Ben. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he just, you know, that, it was a, and as I shared with my, my brothers that when I got there, about the third day, I'm looking around, I'm saying to myself, hold on now, just like I came up here and I can see what happened. If you, everybody on the walls look like you and I. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, everybody, everything. But first, are you looking at the the greatness yeah, of the people? Yeah, yeah. What make you carve a mountain into yeah, a temple? Yeah. How, How can mind, you do that? Yeah, where that mindset comes from? We're going to carve this mountain into yeah. a temple. Mm -hmm. Like Then you look at you, you're standing in front of what they call the Sphinx, which we call Hamakath. Yeah, okay. You're standing in front of this great statue. Like, and then Dr. Ben telling us this, that statue been there 10,000 years before the pyramid was there. Yeah. Like, Ooh, okay. 10,000 years. Well, you know, it, well, you learn that they said 3,500 is yeah. going to be more two to three times as much. That's that's what you learn to just, just mm, understand mm -hmm. the system that we live in. Yeah. You, know, you accept it for what it is, shame on you. Yeah. We already know when it comes to us, they're going to add, yeah. take away. Yeah. And Dr. Ben came and gave the tours mm -hmm. because he had not been British, British certified. 
to give the tours. Oh yeah, in Egypt. Okay. Because he got it. We got it. We have another tour guide. Oh, you had. Oh, he was not the tour guide. Because he's time. not British certified. certified. He had to be certified to give a tour. Yeah, I understand. Like, you know, Doctor Man ain't giving. He, he giving the truth. He ain't giving what Britain told him. Yeah. He's doing his own studies, research. own research. Yeah. So we got this tour guide who giving us a tour. And after after the tour, we go back to the hotel. He gave us a debriefing yes. on what he really, said. Yeah. What the real story the real was. Real story. Yeah. And as I'm doing these debriefing, I'm standing, I'm going in front of the temple, the pyramids. We're going to Aswan, we go yeah. Aswan, we're going down to the different temples. And he brings us to the temple of I came from Afu, I can't remember which one. Mm -hmm. Where they got the the, uh, the story of the Virgin. Yeah, yeah. Virgin uh, Isis, the, you know, yeah. It's not mm -hmm. no Mary, mm -hmm. not no Jesus. But it's more of a drama mm -hmm. singing on the wall. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, so you're talking about drama. They'd already created a scene, scene. that gives mm -hmm. telling you a story. You can see it right there. Thousands of years yeah. ago. So you got <laughs> the brother Sept and uh, Osiris, the yeah. brother killed the brother, and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. But then you see the man, the, the, they have assembled the body. And then that body's laying down, and mm -hmm. you got the guy, I can't remember what guy on each side of the mm -hmm. body, mm -hmm. and they both got their arms stretched out. Then that next scene is a bird. Mm -hmm. The bird lands on top of what they call a phallus, you mm -hmm. call it a mm -hmm. penis. Mm -hmm. And the bird takes the, takes, fly over to the next scene, mm -hmm. which is the female, mm -hmm. who was Isis. Mm -hmm. And the next scene is that the same, the woman is sitting on a birthday chair. Mm -hmm. This is in a temple. <laughs> yeah. Thousands of years this old. Like, what this? Yeah. So now I'm learning, okay, this is the first virgin birth. Virgin birth of immaculate, what do you call it? Immaculate, immaculate conception. Immaculate, immaculate conception. The immaculate conception. So I'm seeing this in, I'm, I got a lot to deal with, right? Yeah. <laughs> this, this ain't what I've been taught. Yeah, you've been and a I grew up in the Catholic Christian church. church. Oh. So I grew up in the Catholic church most of my life. My, my yeah. brother, my dad, and I were, and I'm like, this is interesting. So I got to, you know, I got to believe what I'm seeing. Now, all the stuff I learned about the Bible, I saw it. Mm -hmm. In Egypt, mm -hmm. the characters were, was different. Different, different names, yeah. but it's so the I, same. I went to the Holy of Holy. I went to all the different places. But now you're saying, well, then I start thinking, well, how can Israel be the holiest place? Mm. Yeah. Now, the yeah. holy place where it all took place or where they moved to. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So your whole mind starts changing. Yeah. How can, how can Israel be the holy place? Mm -hmm. When the, everything took place here, the it, Bible it, tells you it took place, place there. there. Yeah. So is it, is it is the holy place where it took place, or, or where you moved it, where you mm -hmm. moved to? Mm -hmm. So all that stuff went started going through your mind. So I'm sharing it to say I understand, sister. I had to go through the <laughs> transformation <laughs> also, and it wasn't easy. It's not. Uh, it's I'm not, gonna tell you, not. it is not easy because you, you figure out to give up something. You got to, and you got to give up the fear of going to hell. Yeah, that's just, that's the main thing. Cause you've been taught all your life about that that you're gonna go to yeah, hell. You gonna go to hell. And that's the reason I became a Christian. And it, it, I did the sinner's prayer, accepted Jesus, cause I didn't want to go to hell, cause I had burned my, I had, I'm, I, was, I say I was accident prone when I was a little girl, so I'd burned my hand, I'd burned my, and that hurts. And my mind thinking, oh, I don't want to go nowhere. You're gonna burn. 
you're going to burn forever. You ain't never burn. And I thought, so when the people, I was in Detroit, by the way, because I was in Brazen Church, but most Baptist churches don't um, give you the sinner's prayer. <laughs> you familiar with the sinner's prayer? I, I heard it. <laughs> okay, but most Baptist church, they just I tell you that. to come up front or something like that. But, and I had done that. I'd been baptized, but the sinner's prayer, and it actually changed my life. Oh, I mean, this is real. Right. And so I'm, I'm like 25 years old, and, and they, my friend, they came to my friend's house, and you know, and they say, do you, do you want to go? Do you know if you're going to heaven when you die? And I said, I don't know. You know, I know I've been in church. Blah, blah. And they said, you want to be assured? I said, yeah, I want to go to heaven. I don't want to burn. And so they did the sinner's prayer. And before I could finish it, I'm crying. You know, and I didn't consider myself a crier. So I'm crying. Then the next day, I'm reading the Bible and I can understand. I had a very memorable transformation. Uh, to become a Christian, to be born again, as we say. So the next day I'm reading the Bible, and I'm like, wow, this is, I can learn this, this. And so then that was my life for the next um, 40 years. I mean, not 40 years, but 20 years or so. So you was born again. I was born that again. Was I look, I have knocked on people's doors. I have had other people go. I have taught little uh, child evangelism fellowship. I loved everybody. But, but if you had that beautiful experience, why give that up? Because I found the truth. <laughs> I thought you did, but you found that was a I, wonderful experience. That was a wonderful experience, and I thought it was the truth because that was the United States truth. That's the truth we've been told, and I had the crying and the understanding. But but you but also you came to a knowledge of a metal dinga. <laughs> Oh, so, so. But even before Odinga, I went to a lecture with, um, who was it? Ashwa Kwesi. Ashwa Kwesi. Ashwa Kwesi. He was on a trip with Dr. Ben with us. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I went to Ethiopia with him also oh, later right, on. Mm. Mm. And um, so I just, that was resonating to me. And I'm still in church, still doing the best I could do, backsliding and coming back. You know that backsliding thing. You backslide, you come back, you backslide, you go to this church. I go to Pentecostal church. I receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I'm speaking in tongues. Oh, yeah, speaking in tongues, laying on hands, raising the dead. I'm doing all of this stuff. But when you start learning and learning, going to these experts, and then um, I was going to something. H. Rap Brown was in Dallas. H. Rap Brown was in Dallas. He's and from I was, you know that, eh? Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah a lot Dad of these Roots. strong people are from Louisiana. Right. And so I was going to a meeting and I was a little bit apprehensive. And a voice said to me, don't be afraid. I have not given you a spirit of fear, but of love and the power and sound mind. That's scripture. I ain't going to never forget that. Mm. I have not given you a spirit of fear, but love and power and a sound mind. And I was, this voice said, don't be afraid, go. And I went to hear him, and I was around all of these uh, people in Dallas that practice the spirituality called Yoruba, which is just the culture of the Yoruba people out of Nigeria, Nigeria and Eastern uh, uh, Ghana also. So they were practicing this, doing libation, and, and Spirit said, don't be afraid. And so I just kept going and learning and going and learning. 
And uh, of course, after meeting Odinga, he's sharing all what you just shared about Ethiopia, about uh, Egypt, because he's been also, and everything in his house was, you know, Egypt and the whole story, and he was sharing that. And then slowly, it didn't wasn't overnight. Slowly, I had to make the decision of, am I going to do this? I had to get off the fence. <laughs> and so the fear from the from the quote of the Bible that says. Don't be afraid. So I had to get rid of the fear. Then that's when I became militant. I wasn't militant before. <laughs> and angry because we didn't know the truth about who we are. We, only knew, we knew the story, but we knew it from another perspective now. Yes. The story was told. Yeah, yeah. But we, but we didn't it, know we thought, it was black people because guess who would They call it white wars. So what, white what do you wars. see on the wall of most people's houses? Yeah. What Jesus looked like? Yeah, right. When you close your eyes, you still see that white man, don't you? <laughs> I know I did. I tell the truth. And uh, it was either Dr. Ben or one of the teachers said, when you can close your eyes and see your deity, as the Bible said, you are made in the image of God. And when that image looked like you, then you got it. Mm -hmm. Then you can change. That's when you can walk away and then I learned how to not be upset at other Christians or try to change them. That's good. Yes, God, I understand that. Not try to change, just accept who right. they are. Right. And if it's for them to be something, anything else, then that's great. If not, as long as they are not hurting someone, not angry, not malice, not killing, not murdering, not stealing people and all of that, then that's, if your Christianity can get you there, then yeah, hold on to people. Well, Frederick Douglass was a Christian, come on. Yeah. <laughs> Reverend Frederick I mean, Douglass. It really, that's not about all that, it's about what like, like I, I've learned, what I learned, when I came to the knowledge of learning, what I learned is that, in my own self, yeah. Yeah. it applies to nobody else but me. That's right, it's, but I, it's but about But I learned you. that I create all the heaven in my life, and oh. I create all the hell in my life. So I'm, the, I'm the only God, and I'm the only devil I would ever know. There you go. That's the way I see it. Um, that's, that's just me, though. I know, it's me too, because <laughs> I had to, it took me a while to learn. It's called Journey into Self. Mm -hmm. There's a brother named um, Sarah that I listen to a lot. You should listen. And he gets you to understand if the hell is in your life, you created that hell. Right. If there's heaven in your life, you created right. that heaven. You make the choice. You make and, and the, the Bible tell you. Bible say you you you, 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 you create the the, uh, the how do you go again about the evil, the good and the evil. You choose from the day who you gonna serve. Oh, you choose the for Bible you tell you that. You choose this day who, who you go serve. serve. And, so it's just your choice. Yeah, but and yeah. and that's where I am now. And I'm gonna go ahead and go to the part that uh, where I the brother asked a question. Where I've been for the last two years. Oh, yeah, let's get to that. Where, 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 like I say, where have you been? Where yeah. I've been. I haven't <laughs> been in Carfax. I haven't been in the U. I've been in Ghana, Pram Pram, Ghana, West Africa. Uh, what brought you to Pram Pram, West Africa? After hearing the story of my fifth generation grandmother that was passed down, that she was on a ship looking at fabric. And they took off with her. They locked her inside and took her. And she was always concerned about the children that she left behind. And as a mother, 
I just couldn't imagine, mm. you know, the pain. I mean, this brings almost tears. Now, the pain of never seeing your, fam your children again, wondering what happened. So she was brought to a plantation in Natchitoches, Dearborn Plantation. And out of that plantation, she became the mother of uh, Louis Dearborn. They named her Louis Dearborn, her son. And then she married, later on she married a black man and had more, more children. But that stuck with me. And, and, and I said to myself, I'm going to take myself back. You're I'm going to snatch myself and take myself back to Africa. I didn't know where. I wanted it to be Ethiopia because I think at that, no, I hadn't been to Ethiopia, but I, I love Ethiopian food. And I went to, I got a chance to go to Ethiopia and um, the, they don't speak that, only the children spoke a lot of English, our guide spoke. So came back, it was just a two week tour with Ashwa, Kwesi and Merwa. And so um, Ghana, my sister started going to Ghana with the tour group. And, uh, and it's, Ghana is a, it's a English speaking. It's an English speaking because it was colonized by the British. Mm -hmm. uh, and before the British, the Dutch, and all the when they're taking people out. Okay. So my sister went. Uh, then I was on a train. Uh, reparation also have been a part of the reparation movement for 20, over 20 years also. And um, I was on a train with a young man. He said he was, he was talking. He had the accent. I asked where he was from. He said Ghana. And uh, we talked and talked. And he said, well, you know that um, most of our people were taken from northern Ghana. And then he starts showing me photos and telling me about Tamale and helping me catch the train. And I got his number. And he said, you know, when you come, you know, I said, my sister is coming. He gave me his number. He said, get in t touch with my family there. And she did. And the, I think the third time she went, she went up to Tamley. They accepted her, stayed with her. She, she's never afraid of nothing either. And um, basically, that, that that's my family. That they, your sister and you felt comfortable enough to go to Africa on your own, by yourself, and maneuver and connect with people. She went with a tour group, and then there was another lady that came, uh, stayed, uh, Glenda Gagne from New Orleans. We got a whole lot of New Orleans connections. Uh, and she's still there today. And so they rode the bus, a 12-hour bus ride to Tamale. And Melva met the family. She stayed with them. They accepted us as family. They gave us gifts. They weren't looking for money. For, they gave us gifts. And um, then... Uh, the next year or two, because we couldn't go together because my mother, we, somebody had to stay here with my mother, so we've never gone to Ghana together. And, um, but anyway, so that was a family, so uh, then I had a friend that now, was... Now, what year was that? That I went? Yes. 2014, okay. October. 2014 was my first trip there because a friend within Cobra had been going since 1999, I think. And I found out he was going to Ghana, and he had a place I could stay. And I said, well, let me go along. Can I go along with you, and you help me out? So I didn't go as a tourist. I went as his friend. And the first year I went, I went to Tamale. I stayed with the family. Everything was great. 
the fear of getting sick in Africa was wiped out because I did the last two days I was there I got typhoid and uh, as soon as I started getting sick I said take me to the hospital because I don't get sick and they took me they said it was typhoid and because I was from the US they had to put me in the hospital they treated me royally. Everybody in the household came to visit me. They brought me my food because they didn't cook food in the hospital. Right. They didn't even have hot water for me in the shower. They brought me hot water. Well, they taught me how Muslims take bath right. there in the village, two buckets, one hot, one cold. They brought my water. I was only in there two days and uh, I think three nights. They only did what they were supposed to do, meaning that you go in the hospital here, you got to pay for this, you got to pay for that, blah, 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 blah. So the whole thing for two days in the air-conditioned hospital, medicine and the um, uh, IV that I had to get less than $100. <laughs> less than $100. <laughs> less than, and the only reason I paid because I had the money in my pocket and I, I, I grabbed my money because they were going to pay for it all. And so... Uh, that was so that did away with all the fears that I was gonna get sick and die in Africa or whatever so they that that was a wonderful experience so I called my friend because this was a 12-hour ride away from where we were saying where he had brought me in so he was and I called I said I'm in the hospital and he was all upset and I said but it's it's wonder I, I feel like I'm very assured that I'm gonna be okay and I was okay and and I met a young man uh, that still we talk to each other on Facebook, and he, uh, Anthony, so Anthony uh, took very good care of me. He was my nurse, out of several, but he was the one that count because he told me about the other history that they don't tell us. They tell us that, oh, y'all sold each other, and, and we think that, oh, that was it. No, he showed me a photo of a festival that they have every year around the 20th of December in Tamale, well, in, not in Tamale, but near Sandama, the Bolsa people fought until they beat the slave catchers. So they fought to keep us, to keep us there. And so uh, last year, December 2022, December 20th, I had a chance to attend that festival. And that is thousands of people, I would say it looked like thousands of war, and it's something they call the war dance. And they have this, these little woven hats with horns on them, look like cow horns, because cows are very, there's no, cows are not fenced in there. And so they have the bow and arrow somewhere on them. They have their arrows on their shoulder, something like, and I and thought, I've never seen any photos like this. All the years I've been studying Africa and with people, nobody has ever, I never saw that picture before. And so he shared that with me, my nurse, and told me that was for, uh, that most of our people were coming from the north and not the uh, Elmino and Cape Coast some, even though my grandmother came from the coast, which she thought she was just looking at fabric, but they took her. Um, so the uh, dungeons that everybody go to is in Elmino, near Cape Coast, or in Cape Coast, and in Senegal, um, the Gambia, they all have their slave Gory out, yeah. So, um, so then the next year I came, so I was going to Ghana every year after that. So the next year I purposely went in December so I could see it. But what they have, they have called the Hamatan, 
That's where the dust fly in, come in from the Sahara. And there's mm -hmm. lots of dust, like the dust storms in Lubbock, Texas, if you've mm -hmm. ever seen. And uh, the, the local planes can't fly. So it, so it was always something I never got to go. So this year, after eight years of going to Ghana, I got a chance to go to the festival. A lady did a tour. And I thought it was a bit much at the time. And my other sister said, no, you deserve it. Go. And um, that's when I got to see the actual war dancers and the overlords is what they're called. So they commemorate and celebrate that they defeated the slave catchers. The European. They, no, these are the black. Oh, the black people. Oh, oh the Europeans wouldn't go. They'd stayed around the coast. And they would bring them to them. And they would bring them to them. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah. they had to fight each other to keep us in. Okay. And this is called the Bolsa people. And the, um, it's several different groups, but the, um, uh, but the Bolsa people are the ones. And this is in a place called Sandama. Uh, S-A-N-D-M-A. Sandama, Ghana? Uh, yes. And I had a book. I showed it to Odinga. And I hope he, he may have taken it by mistake because I said, I'm look, I want you to look at it, not take it. And I could have shown you the, the photos of what all of that looked like. But I'll, I got You can, you can take a picture of it and send it, to and, and send it to you. So I can say I'd never seen that picture before. So that even more connected me to that area uh, in Tamale. Uh, so, uh, but, but Sandama and Bogotanga is near Burkina Faso. And on that trip, they have, they have so many things. They have um, the crocodile pond, where there's a pond with about 200 crocodiles in it, okay? You can take photos sitting on top of them, holding their tail, touching them, they ain't gonna bother. But at some point, they must get irritated and say, I'm tired of y'all. And the guys say, okay, y'all, that's enough, y'all got to go. Okay. But they, the people in the town, the crocodiles don't bother them. They don't bother the crocodile, so they do come out the pond sometime, and and uh, this is called Polga. So that's the, the story of the crocodile came when they had to escape some other uh, warring tribe, and they were able to sit on the crocodile and hit the crocodile take them to the safety. No. So that's the history of the why the crocodile. They get along with the crocodile, okay. and then there's something called the Mystic Stone, and they were making a road through the village there, and this, they would. And these were probably the um, Europeans trying to build these roadways through. And they moved the stone, come back the next day, the stone is still there. They did everything to move the stone, the stone would move. So now it's just a tourist attraction. They build a wall around it, they left the stone alone. <laughs> the stone so, kept putting itself in place. Yeah, so it's so magical. Yeah. Uh, so we got, I got a chance to uh, touch and pray uh, with the mystic stone in the first and also the, f the other important thing I would say would be the first Muslim 800-year-old uh, mosque uh, up in the same area. And then there's a mole park. They have a park where I got a chance to do a safari. I never thought, I always thought, oh, that's just white people doing safaris. But it went good. So I did, we did a day safari and we did a night safari. Yeah, and we and they have a, tr a road. And that's in that, Ghana. That's not that's in Ghana. Kenya. That ain't Kenya. Kenya have their own thing. Oh, yeah. Ghana don't have as much of those type animals. Uh, they had elephants and a few baboons and uh, gazelles and little rabbits or something like that running around. 
but it's Kenya and South Africa where they yeah. call it the Big Five, where the yeah. Tiger, um, um, what's this? Well, anyway, the cheetahs uh, and all yeah. that. Um, I did see a video of in Kenya. I think it was Kenya. They have those lions trained to the point that you can actually walk with the lions, uh, and that's part of the well, tourists. Yeah, because the African people back in the day used to ride the lions. Yes, yes, you yes. You go back and read that and learn that history. They, the, the warriors would ride a, ride a lion. They yeah. would take them to their destination. So that was my first going to Ghana. Uh, my friend uh, then invited me to come and share a house with him, and he built a beautiful home. Uh, and it finished it in um, April or May of 2021. And I lived there with him. And then he said our lifestyles were too different and I needed to move. And I did. But what I found, what happened, it was just me and him in this four bedroom house, up beach house up on stilts. It's still, we're still friends. But I moved to an apartment complex uh, just January, four complex, two down, two up, built by a Ghanaian, all African-Americans in it. Huh? Yeah, and my sister, my, my, I call my sister a friend from New Orleans. She's across the hall from me. And now I have my chef, we share a chef. He comes in and cook all of her meals, most of my meals. So I don't cook unless I just absolutely have to. And we share our housekeeper that comes in and sweep clean at each month. So you live, you live like a queen for real. Absolutely. So moving to Africa have served you well. I, living my best life. That's what we all say that have need to be there. So I have, I can afford on social security income. And I was not, a t I work for Texas Instruments. So my social security is low. Look, my Social Security is so low that Medicare pay for my what, uh, A and B or whatever you have to pay for because I really am considered almost poverty. Right, in the U.S. But in the U.S. <laughs> in the U.S. But in Ghana, you, 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 in an apartment, two-bedroom apartment, two-bath, and $600 a month, I can afford to have someone to cook my meals, wash dishes. That's what I had to get used to here. <laughs> wash my dishes. So either one, the house cleaner, other cook, chef, I got to say chef, because he cooked fantastic meals. And uh, if I don't want to cook or don't want to, then there's a restaurant called the African Ancestral Wall. That's from Marimba Anigos. And on that wall, there's Nanny painted pictures of all of our heroes throughout the world, including B.B. King. B.B. King. B.B. Yeah. King is on the wall. So the brother name is Jerry Johnson. He's from California, and then he lived in Atlanta a while. He moved to Ghana about 15, 16, 17 years ago, found a wife, got two children, and is doing wonderful. So are you telling me that, you know, that, 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 uh, Ed, that Eddie Murphy movie that messed us up, coming to America, okay. really a miracle going to Africa. There is at least really 5,000 or 10,000 African Americans living in Ghana today. Just in Ghana? Just in Ghana. And they're coming every day. Mm -hmm. The youngest I met at the African American Association of Ghana, we have a meeting every third Sunday at the 
W.E.B. Du Bois Center. Who lived in God. God. Who died, died in God. Uh -huh. And his, he is buried right there. His museum, his house was turned into a museum. And we build a little uh, area kind of outside because it's always hot. And we meet there every third Sunday. Now they're meeting every first Sunday, so they can just get together and, and, and eat and, and drink and, and, and party. And there's nothing to be afraid of. You, 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 feel, never you feel free? Free, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, just tell, tell us what that feeling is like as a coming from this country. <laughs> now move, you have moved to Ghana. Yeah. You're living in Ghana. That's yeah. home. Paying my own rent. Is taking it, care of my own self. It's a, what, what is that feeling like to have moved? Um, as you, I'm smiling. I can't, you really are. You really smiling. Because it's safe. The doctors are excellent. People care about so the you. Health care is great. The health care is great. We have someone now from New York that's trying to get the insurance company to to cover us in Ghana. Um, it feels it's heaven. <laughs> I, I, I tell people in other words, I died and went to heaven, okay, and Ghana is it. Oh. But that's not the only country. Ghana is just the so, so tip of the iceberg. There's many more, but Ghana is the main one because the president put out the call in 2019 to return. Who was the president then? Uh, that was uh, uh, um, Adu, Akufu Adu is the president now, and he's the one that did it's called, um, beyond the return now. So he's got African-Americans on the board for tourists. So they are working together. So the, the present president, when he first became president in 2019, he put the call out to come home. He come, some of it was, was for the Ghanaians that left years ago thinking America is the place to be uh, uh, to come. And so some of them are coming back also that was born and raised in Ghana, and they realized Ghana have grown so much that they realized that this is home and, and acceptable. I'm so, sure you just picture here now. You know who that is? Uh, Jerry Rollins. Uh, yes, John Jerry, JJ, John Jerry, the Honorable John. He man. was president, and I got a chance to meet him also before he died. So, uh, again, I'll, I'll, I'll get to how I met him, and I got a selfie also, and I'll show you, because I was afraid to ask, and, he's, and he said, yeah. And, um, and then he said, did anybody get Fufu? And, um, and I said, I did, because it was about five or six I was visiting. And I got the goat light soup. And he was so happy that at least somebody was able to eat the goat light soup. I grew up eating goat out on a farm, my grandfather's farm. Okay. In Colfax? Yeah, my grandfather had a farm that okay. raised goat, and we ate goat. That so that was nothing for me to eat goat. Okay. And so... Um, but anyway, living in Ghana is um, we can get we can afford to live on the beach, five minutes from the beach. I'm five minutes walking. <laughs> no, 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 walking. No, it, it's it's the what, what ocean is that? Per, the name of the town? No, the ocean. That's the ocean. You, you oh, know? Gulf of Guinea. Yeah, matter that's the Gulf of Guinea. Matter of fact, I like the way Doctor Ben said instead of calling the, the Pacific Ocean, it's it's the Ethiopian Ocean. Oh, okay. So the you're Europeans changed the name, right? Right. So, right. so that's up north, right. right? So that's the Pacific goes around to the Gulf of Guinea, and uh, so, so that's the West Africa. Sits on the water. I mean, it's the yeah, beach, yeah. The beach Everybody the, has a yeah, pretty much have an ocean front. Indian. Indian, yeah. no. Oh, okay. But there's so much. So I got a chance to. So Egypt is northern, very northern Africa. Right. And Ethiopia is a five hour plane ride from Accra. And you recommend people, particularly younger people, retired people, you can.
who just barely who who getting a little a little money in this country. Fourteen hundred dollars round trip. I mean, but you can go there and live because the checks still go to the bank. The checks still go to the and bank. You, can you just all you do is let the bank know you're going out of the country. You're going to Ghana, and and uh, my closest ATM is about three miles away, and I can drive to that one. It's called Potter City. So I think it's a whole Christian community, beautiful. And I go to the ATM there and get my, put my card in, and I get CDs, Ghana money out. Okay. And so as long as your and money- American money has a little more high value than Ghana. Than yes, Ghana. it's running uh, about 12 to one. 12 Ghana dollars to one US dollar. So you can get a lot for your money. The, after COVID, the price has gone up, but I can still get a lot. Okay. Get better than I can here. But yes, uh, so yeah, I can uh, go to the, any ATM. So you only come to America to visit now? I'm only coming to visit. So you're gonna, you're gonna, they're going to have to bury you in Ghana? I'm going to pay for my cremation when I get back. <laughs> and they're going to either sprinkle me in the Gulf of Guinea which I've seen this done several times so by other no people. So you have no problem with that? Then. None at all. So, so now they, they do they, fantastic funerals. There's a lot of Christian. You can go anywhere and find a Christian church. As a matter of fact, they, 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 their caskets are very creative. Oh, yes. <laughs> they, they, yes. Yeah, they do all, they, <laughs> all they, of that. Whatever so, your line of work is, they can create a casket. Yes, if you want to be buried in a car, uh, something that looked like a Mercedes, if you want to be buried in a shoe, that's the one I see all the time passing, okay. a loafer shoe. Banana, pepper, so anything, kinda, anything. It kind of got that New Orleans feel from, from absolutely for the funeral. Yeah, That's where no, it comes from. I don't right? think nobody out party in New Orleans no, on, no, on no, the no, funeral. No. I happened, I was <laughs> happened to be next door to the church in New Orleans when they had a big chief funeral. And right place at the right time, I call oh, the it. Big chief the, the big chief. The big chief. That's when chief. the big okay. chief. So everybody dress up and they uh, carry that casket above their head down the stairs and then they go down the street in this corner and that corner and I didn't wasn't able to follow them and then they go to the cemetery and I got a chance to see that. So that was like New, New Orleans. Dude. That was New Orleans. Okay. That was uh, New Orleans got it. New Orleans didn't know where it come from though. It didn't come from New Orleans. It, it was there. It been in Africa. Oh yeah. They, some of them do there because I did in a place called Ada which is, is a beach area. Uh, when I went there to a restaurant uh, we happened to run into a funeral. They had the brass band. They had everything going down the street. They, they. I've seen funerals where you get a carload of people or whatever they can get on the back of. They hanging out the car and they riding around town and and so it's it's um, a wonderful place because people you see people walking. They greet you. They are uh, always happy to see you, do things for you. They are very, uh, the culture is there, and you got diff you got Christian culture, every religion, now every form of religion, including the Mormons with their little white shirts on riding the bike, they are there. <laughs> I saw them. And they've converted Africans to be Mormons now. No. <laughs> and, I, no. and I've seen, and they still ride their bikes. <laughs> and um, so everybody is there. Every nationality, the Chinese, the Lebanese is big. Uh, Lebanese been there. They yeah. most of the business. Matter of fact, the clothes, yeah, right. the, the, the uh, textile. Yes. They, run, they control that. They control, and and as my driver was saying, um, some of the Lebanese have never seen Lebanon. They've been in Ghana all their life.
in the generation, and they still control a lot of the restaurants and the big grocery and, stores. And a lot of business opportunities in Africa. There is still a lot of business opportunities in Ghana. There's still a lot. So young people that are, most of them are IT, and so they can work from any place in the world, and they got that VPIN number that won't let you, it, that won't block you out. Oh, okay. So there are a lot of IT people that are living there. There's a lot of retired people. <clears throat> the man that's going to get the insurance together, he he had a um, business in uh, New York, tra trans medical transportation with uh, medical care, and I forgot what company, Amazon or Uber, somebody cheated him out, cheated him out, just took the business from him. So he just went to Ghana with it. And he was born and raised in Guyana, South America, South America. you know. Mm -hmm. Now, you also talked about investing in Ghana, your investing club. What, 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 what's that? Um, I'm not familiar on how that worked yet. You got to be very careful with your investments. You really got to talk to a Ghanaian because the law is a little bit different. Even though they speak English, it's, a, it's an English word, but it may have a different meaning, like Britain, like the UK. So you have to find someone from Ghana that you can trust because they still believe, uh, most, not all, believe that if you're coming from America, then you got all this money. Right. And they're going to take, they will give you the shirt, what I was told to quote, will give you the shirt off their back, but take every penny you have. <laughs> <laughs> so you have to find someone you can trust. And you have to, they believe in relationships. So how we sit down and talk business, they, never, they don't do that. They, you sit down, you have a drink, you may have a special beer that they have, club beer, and you meet and you talk, and then that may be it. And then you meet again, you, and you talk, you, 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 know you form a relationship, right. and then you talk business. They don't just straight up talk business. So you, you gotta learn that culture too now. Yes. And you, that's pretty good, that's you helpful. Just, you just know. have to be available to them to, uh, you don't have to learn the language. They know English. And if you don't understand something, just ask. And they're not going to be on time most of the time. That time thing is us. <laughs> that stress that, oh, got to be here at this time. I got to. That is not in Ghana. That's not in Africa, period. Yeah. But it's not in America either. <laughs> no, not for us. <laughs> not for us. <laughs> so. Um, no, not, but you, are, I thought you said you was part of some kind of investment club. In the oh, okay. My investment club is in the U.S. Okay. How, out of how Mississippi. That, oh, how that works. And that's the New African, okay, the New African Investment Association. And mine is Adam County. So I'm a part of the Adam County, which is Natchez. They have had this investment club for 20 years, and Dr. Demetrius Marshall started it and is like our guide. But we, my cl our club is 19 people. I've been the bookkeeper for the last three years. I have no former training with bookkeeping okay. or any of that. I know how to add, subtract, and follow instructions. So Dr. Marshall taught me how to do that, and he said that I learned faster than any of the others he knew. So I'm still doing it. In fact, today is Saturday. After five o'clock, after the stock market closed down yesterday, I should have done some work that I didn't do. And I'm gonna have to get that done when y'all leave because I'm committed to it. So each group handled their own. We learn about investment. The minimum is $25.
a month that you pay in. You learn about the uh, market. You learn. I have uh, Yahoo Finance on my phone now that works in Ghana too. So for two years I've been doing bookkeeping work out of Ghana. Okay. Because the internet is everywhere. So we learn how to invest. Uh, we teach each other. Somebody may go take a class. So we invest. This is a long-term investment. He teaches how to find what we need to do, uh, how we need to look at it, and, and learn that you don't take your money out. You only put in what you can put in and you let your money grow. And that's how we have generational wealth, like the others have been doing. And there, there are a lot of people doing it, but we in the South, for the most part, didn't know. And you can get a group together and learn and do this. We have a bank account. We have uh, uh, first trade that we use, and we do all of all of that work, and and that's online. So we have some rules and regulations and paperwork. So I started. When did I start that? 2015 to 16 is when I got with them. But like I say, they've been doing this for 20 years, and and uh, I in the last few whatever five years or whatever I've been doing this. Uh, the thing to remember is you uh, sell high, buy low. Okay. Sell high, buy low. And whenever our investments went down, I bought more stock. I went on and put a little more, maybe a couple of hundred dollars in. Mm -hmm. And then when it was low, you know, I would just do, you know, my regular 25 a month or maybe 100 a month, whatever I had. And I was surprised that I have, over these few years, I have, uh, with the stock price now, gained uh, about a thousand, which is a thousand more than I had. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I put in about four thousand. So this have to be money that you can not touch, right. and that's where the investments. I'm going to go back and say this: because of the labor, free labor, that started Wall Street, that's why they have the money. But they're playing games with money right now. But you can still make a little money, uh, but the real money, gold, uh, minerals, you know where that's coming from, Africa. Mm -hmm. And they're still snatching it. And so Wall Street uh, bankers and all that are still living off of that money from, all, all, from time. So it's time for us to get in and, and have someone to tell you, okay, you... We're not asking you to give anything that you can't give. Your money is, and our, one of our uh, codes we live by is don't lose the people's money. So we all have a little uh, say in what we buy, how much you put in, but it has to be at least $25 a month. You cannot put it in and you pay a little fee for that, a small fee for not putting your money in. I've had to do that. Um, but um, this is the way we slowly build the wealth. Uh, my son is my beneficiary, so at this point, I don't need the money. It's going to stay in there, and it's going to pass from my son. If my son don't need the money, it's going to go stay in there. It's going to go to his children. And because we're in the U.S., we have to learn the rules and things of how to wealth. Economic wealth is also part of our freedom. We can march, we can fight, we can build monuments, we can do all of that. But economic wealth, when we can control 
Right now, you know, the politicians are bought and paid for. <laughs> so as Dr. Claude Anderson said, we got to buy some politicians. And we got to have the money to buy some politicians. And what the investment is doing is they have enough money to loan money to people in, um, they vet them and see if they need to loan the money. I know we've been talking a long time. <laughs> so we, we're able to loan the money. Uh, I don't know what the interest rate, but they have invested in some uh, black-owned companies and different things in Mississippi. Yeah. Uh, I think, um, I think um, the new African investment is over a million dollars right now. And so, we, of course, we can do more than that. You know, the, the wealth of uh, our black people. So if people like the, uh, the bishop here and other, well, you, you know, I joined at 60-something. And so we're trying to get more young people to join and, and build their money, learn. And we invested in Uber. We pick who we invest in. Um, um, some of them have lost their uh, value, but you don't sell low. You sell high. When it's low, you buy. And you get it at a, and then when it goes back up, that's where you make your money. Yeah, so we have to learn how to do that. And like, um, I got here and I went to Smoothie King, and Smoothie King have some healthy drinks now, even for your bones. So I'm going to be looking into Smoothie King, if they're on public market, and you can just pull it up on your phone or your app. You know, you see how much uh, Smoothie King was worth, how much, you can get daily rates. So we don't do day trading. We do, we do by the month. We do once a month. And uh, so there are some people that's doing good at the day trading, but this is, like I say, $25 a month. And, uh, and your legacy building. And your? I said you are a legacy building. Yes. We're legacy building. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's what we know that's how, because our parents didn't have anything to give our grandparents because it was free labor. Uh, we're trying with insurance. Of course, what the insurance rate is going up, everything is going up. You can't even afford to buy life insurance. You have to get it when you're very young and you have to keep up with it. And I know I didn't, and I know many other people didn't. And when you get over 60, 65, 70, you can't even afford to buy the insurance, and it's not going to pay that much. And, it's, and then that's going to be it. So one of the things I guess I'm hearing you say, too, is that living in Africa have removed a lot of fear. A lot of fear, all the fear. Caution is, you know, always be cautioned, but fear, no. Exciting, yes. There's always something new. And that's Odinga's quote. Always something new out of Africa. So the food, the different food, uh, uh, like I say, Benin and uh, Ghana is going out of their way to make better tourist sites. So right now, I say if you go, you got to want to go and want to be there and not complain. If you find yourself complaining about, well, this wasn't on time, that one on time, the hotel, then you need to come back. It's not back. for you. That's it's not, not for you. you. Yeah. Whereas in, in Egypt, and in Ethiopia, they've been doing tours for so long, they have five-star hotels and wonderful meals and everything So we there. Need, to be, need to be investing in uh, those areas, building hotels and 
to yes. recite to those yes. guys. Yes, 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 yeah. Just like the where I stay, the apartment complex, he only built, he probably started building that maybe four or five years ago. And now it's only African-Americans staying in it. And, and he, you can either pay him in U.S. money or the equivalent of Ghana. So when I go back, I got to take U.S. dollars to pay him. As so you would encourage uh, people to move to Africa now? I encourage people to move to Africa, help build it just like we built the U.S. because I don't know how long it's going to take for equality, real equality here. And we got the, the investment club is important, uh, investment association is important because we need to build that equity up. We don't have anybody working for us free. And there's some things that we can do for each other free that we need to do and stop being like the, they call the crabs in the barrel. It's unnatural. Mm -hmm. If crabs are not in the barrel, are they doing that to each right. other? Right. No. If water is up under, they got heat up under us. We're in an unnatural place. So we're killing each other and we're doing all of this. So we need to be in a place where we don't have that fire up under us. And we can't say black on black and, and whatever. So we need to be uh, somewhere where we're, we are free to, we can speak English if we want to. We don't never have to speak a word of tree. We can speak English. We can uh, uh, become a citizen. We can put the money in the bank or we can keep the money here. But the money in the bank right now, I don't trust the U.S., but right now I can still get my Social Security, go straight to the bank, and the first of the month, me and my friend, we go to the bank, we get our money, we go grocery <laughs> shopping, we pay our driver, we don't drive. Our driver, you got a driver too? we have a driver also. We have yeah. two, we have number one and number two. Okay, so they all live in the same prime prime. So Mr. Della, if he's available, he's takers. If he's not available, then we got Michael. <laughs> and Michael takers. And then if he's not available, there's somebody else I just met. And I met a boat driver, B-O-L-T, like Uber. And um, when I was in the hospital getting this metal out, we had a hard time finding somebody. Because we're in a village. It's a big village. It's bigger than Carfax village. But sometimes they don't want to come. So he brought me. I gave him a big tip. And, and he, if I need him, he comes. If I don't need him, guess what he do? He called me. He texts me. Mama, how you doing? Everybody's Are you doing mama. okay? Respect uh, from you. Uh, yes, everybody's mama or grandma, and I don't mind them calling me grandma. And so, if you meet someone, you give them a good tip, you're nice to them, they're gonna call you to see. Oh, I haven't seen you in a while. You know, you know he's 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 making sure that I'm okay, and they are making sure that I'm okay. And uh, my sister made friends with a family, and the wife was pregnant. And her name is Melva Jr. Same. Melva, yes. Victoria, whatever her last name, but it's, they call her Melva Jr. And uh, so, so they will name their children. If you're good to them and nice to them, and they like you, they will name you. I haven't, I have, I haven't had that privilege yet. <laughs> but Melva has a Melva Jr. Oh, <laughs> She's okay. seven years old. That's how long, that's, she met him before they, she was born. And, so she'd been going and, seven. And you say that you... You're coming back to the U.S. just to visit every night? I'm coming day. to visit but you, only if my children, my sister needed me this time, 
But just coming to visit. Coming to, back to America, that's not for you. Right? That's not for me. You're going back to Africa. I know several people, they call them one-way tickets. They, they have bought one-way tickets to Ghana, and that's it. They never come back. There's a husband and a wife. Uh, there's a, a lady that uh, is renting also. She came at 72. She's 74 now. She don't mind people telling her age. She uh, thinks from the Washington, D.C. area. She was involved in integration early as a five-year-old, and she said wherever she had to walk to school in D.C., the white women would line up outside their house and cuss her and call her names every day. Why would she come back here? And, and the trauma that sh that's there. There's another man, same thing, he was in Florida. He was one of the first children to integrate. They bombed his house. He worked for embassy, and he is permanently in Ghana. Well, you need to write your book titled Going Back to Africa. <laughs> <laughs> so, that, so again, there are several people that the trauma is so bad here, was so bad that they don't, and, and it's so good for them there that they're not coming back. And, and uh, the, the oldest person I know that uh, born and raised in Mississippi, lived in California, Baba Rufus Martin, was 99 when he died. Another lady that I know has been there 50 years, she was married to a Ghanaian, she's 86. And uh, the last time I had lunch with her, just uh, she and I, she was 80. And we were crossing the road, and she said, well, let's run. I said, now, if you're at a place where an 80-year-old woman tells you, let's run, I need to be here. And she did. We ran across the street. You don't see all that all-timers and people? It's there, but not like here. Not like here. Not like here. And we have good care. She's doing excellent. She still walks and She's doing better than me, as, as like oh, I can say, because okay. my broken ankle is still trying to be healed. Ghana is a wonderful place. Now I guess we're going to say from Colfax to Ghana. To Pram Pram Ghana. Pram Pram Ghana. Not Accra. Now Accra is basically on the level of New York. If you like the city and you like things going all the time, then Accra is for you. But if you want quiet, then Pram Pram, and there's so many other little places people are staying. But Accra is the main place on the water, and they got the five-star hotel. The, oh, and I met the mayor of New Orleans 2019 at the Kapinski Hotel in New Orleans because when she came, uh, 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 when she came to Accra, she put out the word that anybody from Louisiana or went to school in Louisiana, she invited us to a lunch at this hotel. Fancy hotel that I, you know, and it, she laid out the carpet for us. What, a Cantel? Cantel, yeah, her. She, oh, she did come, and then she met with the mayor of Cape Coast, who New Orleans and Cape Coast should be sister cities. Oh, okay. Then. So she did the sister city with New Orleans, and, and you know, them, new, them folks in New Orleans they wore her out come. about that, because she had just gotten in. She had just won, and she went to Ghana, and so they got on to about the, they, they were criticizing her for the money that was spent, but that I got to meet her there. So it was a beautiful experience. It was a You're beautiful experience. I'm so glad that I went and, uh, and uh, several other people from Louisiana was there. A lady from Jonesboro had moved there, but she died during COVID. And instead of her, she was trying to do her own meds and you know, it wasn't a, nothing to play with.
But me, I had been building up my resistance and, and Ghana made sure everybody wore their masks, washed their hands. So actually my, uh, Glenda got COVID and was in the hospital 40 days. I was in the house with her. I took a test. I was fine. I never had any issue with that. And they took great care of her. But her brother is a doctor here in the U.S. And what she did, she FaceTimes him. And then he had had COVID and he knew what to tell the doctors. So we have, we have that also. If you come and you have a doctor here, you can FaceTime your doctor and that doctor will, will consult with the doctors in Ghana if you need something or a specialty. So that's already, that's set up also. Oh, okay, so you can okay. actually see, your doctor can see you, your doctor can get the medicine that you need or they think you need and they make sure that happens. So Ghana is open to that. Okay, well, it's been a long visit today, a very, very good time with Dynamate from Carfax, now Ghana, West Ghana, Africa, is where she presides. What name that town is? Pram Pram. Pram Pram. P-R-A-M, P-R-A-M. And she recommends all you out there to take a chance and step out and visit first to Africa and see what it looks like, what it feels like. So if you if you if you retire, you still can live good. You can live good, good, yes. You don't need you don't need a hundred thousand dollars a month to live. You can you, you can make it. You don't. But I'd like to thank you, uh, my sister, for being here and uh, for sharing your story. Uh, there's so much history there, but also the travel. I mean, that's yeah. just good to hear that. Yeah. That uh, mm -hmm. people are moving back home. People are moving home. Yeah, there's so some Texas folks there. <laughs> I have to tell this to Martha. I can tell Martha, I'm just going to say, Martha, you were correct. <laughs> and something she told me that I was resistant to. Well, but if somebody want to start the process of connecting with Africa, where do they start? Uh, 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 Internet or uh, Facebook, AAA Ghana, G H A N A dot org, triple A Ghana. Dot org. And that's the African American Association of Ghana. And they will get you started. Uh, they may point you to somebody else. They're just now getting to the point that they, uh, so, so many, I'm telling you, so many African Americans are coming to Ghana that they're overwhelmed. So they are, they are heading back and, home. And people are also making money just doing tours. So if you want, someone want to, learn the tourist business, learn where it is. You can make money taking tours as little as bringing two people. The last person I talked to in, at, at the African Ancestral Wall, when they come in, they call us to come and talk. Okay. They, uh, to talk to them and give them uh, answer any questions they have because we're living there. They want to know what it's like. Same thing you. What is it like living here? What do I do? What, what? And then we have, and they, most of them want to buy. And I tell them, you don't have to buy, you can rent. And we rent, and then we try to find them. You, you get a feel for if, if, if mm -hmm. you can do this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Can you really do this? So that's oh, the wait, eight. Wait. Are you homesick? <laughs> no. You've got to be kidding me. I'm not home. And I have four children and eight grandchildren and a great-grandson. Y'all come see me if you can. The first time I saw my granddaughter was uh, on the 1st of April, my birthday. I had never seen my granddaughter before. So you, you te you're telling me you're not homesick. You don't, I am not homesick. You, I, you enjoy it that much. Well, I'm homesick to go back to Ghana already. <laughs> <laughs> that home. 
Yeah, no. I'm ready to go. Because I got to cook and clean. <laughs> I don't want to do that. Oh, no, you got, you got lazy. I've got to learn how, what it feels like to live if you have a little bit of money. That's it. That, no. It's not lazy. It's no, just lazy. lifestyle. Okay, it's just our lifestyle. Did we call, did we call Missy and whatever lazy? Did we call no, them no. slave masters lazy? Do we call the rich people lazy? No. We don't no, call, no. They're not lazy. If you're making money and you can pay for someone else to bring themselves up or just make a living, you do. When you don't do that, you're denying somebody else a chance to live. You're hoarding your money. I'm not hoarding my money. I'm giving my money to Samson and Delight, and she is a delight. <laughs> so that's you, huh? No, the lady name is Delight. Oh, that's her name? Her name is Delight. Who is Samson then? Samson is the cook. <laughs> the chef. He ain't the cook. He's a chef. Oh, Samson right, is yeah. a chef. Delight mm -hmm. is the cleaning and washing. So I don't wash clothes. I thought that was a term you throw that in. That, that <laughs> no, that's her name. Those she is a delight. It, a washing machine is nothing. You can have a washer and a dryer and all that, but you got to do it. But when you can pay somebody enough so they can put their child through school, so the child can do that, why would I use a washing machine? And you, and you add to the economy. You, you creating jobs. And I have a student. I pay. $1,200 a year, a year for her to be in boarding school in school. And her name is Jacqueline. So you take care of a student? A student. I have a student also. All that on a retirement, Social Security. So the U.S. have set us up well enough for that some, a lot of us can move back and live the life. That, exactly. Of, yeah. the, of, the, of the land that's flow with milk and honey. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'd like to thank you. Miss Dinah May Kimball for being here today, sharing this, these awesome stories of your travel. And uh, we thank you once again and welcome to Kowtai. Thank you, and you have energized my life today. Man can shackle the hand, man can shackle the feet, but only you can shackle the mind. The mind is free to travel wherever you dare to take it. Welcome to Count Time Podcast.